0: Welcome to Peak Mind. I'm your host, Michael Trainer, and I'm extremely excited for this week's episode with the one and only Gabby Reese. Gabby is a world champion volleyball, beach volleyball player. Uh, she is a model, uh, has graced the covers of many of the world's top magazines, um, is a mother of three amazing girls, and just an all-around amazing human being. I, uh, I so enjoyed this conversation with Gabby. We, we went into like pretty much uncharted territory, uh, talked about topics that are often not talked about, like uh, the masculine and the feminine and how they interact together. She is uh, the wife of uh, legendary big wave surfer Laird Hamilton. And the interview actually took place at their lovely home in Malibu. Um, but we, we talked about some really incredible topics like the notion of the masculine, and the feminine, uh, the notion of radical reinvention and how, you know, we are all in a way vessels and how we can um, sort of stay in the listening, if you will, as we evolve through through life and take on different roles and identities. Uh, it's chock full with uh, some incredible insights. Uh, she talks about standing in her power about you know the insights that she's garnered through these various roles she's played during the course of her life and you know we talk about ego and insecurities and family and uh, I share uh, some of the things I've actually never shared as it relates to my own former sort of identity and you know how my ego uh, needed to die and be reborn so I hope you get a lot of value out of this episode. Uh, if you do, go ahead and uh, tag at Gabby Reese and at Michael Trainer and let us know kind of what you thought of the episode. Um, and if you're enjoying the podcast, please go ahead and leave a rating and review. Uh, it means the world to me and it helps us grow and, and get this message out to a, a broader community. So uh, with that, thank you. This episode is actually brought to you by two of my favorite uh, companies. One is... Kettle and fire. Kettle and fire. I've been using to rebuild my gut. Um, I actually have, uh, you know, gut permeability, uh, as many of us do, because glyphosate is so um, so common in our food supply now, and. Bone broth and collagen are essential for that, that sort of overall foundation of the gut. So I've been using Kettle and Fire. Um, I really, really like their bone broth. They've got a couple of, of different flavors. They have a high degree of integrity as it relates to the sourcing of their products, uh, organic, grass-finished uh, 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 products incredible quality. I did a lot of research and reached out to a friend of mine who's, who's really knowledgeable in the space, and he said that they were top of class. And so I checked them out. I, I really think that they are uh, leaders as it relates to bone broth, and I think collagen is one of the most underdiscussed discussed uh, areas as it relates to our health. So go ahead and check them out. It's uh, kettleandfire.com, and if you put in uh, kettleandfire.com backslash peakmind, you get 20% off your order. This episode is also brought to you by Just Thrive. Uh, I've been using Just Thrive Probiotic now consistently and have seen really profound results uh, in my overall gut health. Um, just as I mentioned previously, I did an episode uh, with uh, Kieran Kishnan, which I got huge feedback on. But you know, our gut is really our second brain. It's our enteric nervous system and it's where we produce most of our serotonin, our feel-good chemicals, it's also the center for our immunity and having just done a a course of of probiotics, excuse me, antibiotics, I use the probiotics to start rebuilding my gut and Just Thrive has one of the few clinically proven products on the market. I take their K2, their probiotic and also their prebiotic to help feed that healthy bacterium. To, uh, to bolster and build my microbiota. So um, check them out. They actually did, recently did a, a redirect, a rebrand on their site. So if you've, if you've heard me talk about them before, they're now at JustThriveHealth.com. Again, that's JustThriveHealth.com. And if you put in peak at checkout, you get 15% off your order. Highly recommend checking them out. I'll go ahead and link to both in the show notes. And without further ado, it's my pleasure to introduce the one and only Gabby Reese. All right, I'm here in the home of Gabby
1: Reese. Yeah, now it is. N- now it is. It was, it was Laird's home before, right? <laughs> yeah, it was, it was
0: Laird's and now it's yours. Yeah. It's Sometimes amazing of the dog's house. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: he's next. Yeah. I'm putting him in the hot seat.
1: Yeah, he's probably the funniest one in the house.
0: Oh, I'm going to get all the, all the gossip.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, thank yeah. you for having me.
1: Yeah, it's our pleasure. Yes. It's my pleasure.
0: Well, I wanna start with volleyball. Okay. And the, one of the natural places to start. Mm-hmm. So I actually um, saw you play on North Avenue Beach mm-hmm. in Chicago, mm-hmm. where I was born and raised. Uh, I can't recall the year, but uh, it was I think it was the it was it was one of the I think it was on the on the tour basically. Sure. And Best place
1: to play beach volleyball tour stop in Chicago. Really? Yeah, cuz they love the summer there. They do. People in the in the Midwest, they know how to maximize every summer day, you know? Yes.
0: <laughs> Even 50 degrees is a oh, summer no. day in they Chicago. Go. Yeah. They yeah. Go. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, I would be out as soon as it broke like 30 40 degrees, oh, yeah. shorts come out. <laughs> You're like, "All right, let's go to the lake." <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so in terms of one of the things I wanted to talk to you about is obviously I think your your talents are multifaceted, but volleyball was really where you became known. Mm-hmm. How was how your experience as a competitive athlete? One of the things that I've, that I've noticed is some people who are competitive athletes, when they stop being a competitive athlete, mm-hmm. lose their identity.
2: Yep.
0: Um, it occurs to me that you've uh, flourished in entirely new directions.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: How, how did the minds that you developed during your time as an athlete affect how you live your life today?
1: Well, you know, first I'll tell you, and this is for anybody, whether you're a CEO or an athlete or, you know, in anything. I've had I had somebody come up. I've had many people come up to me over the years and say, "Oh, um, weren't you that? Weren't you Gabrielle, that volleyball player?" And I'm like, "Well, no, actually, I'm still Gabrielle." Yeah. And uh, one of the things I did was play volleyball. And so one thing I always try to remind people, because uh, I have this conversation a lot with young athletes, is. We are, we are not defined by what we do. Mm. And it's really important, even though it's easy, especially when you're young, for that to keep, oh, you're that volleyball player, you know, or whatever the title is. And um, it's just really important to know that, because I think as you move through life, because it goes up and down, yeah. it's really important to be defined by who you are, yeah. and, and hopefully even the relationships that you create, because uh, it helps. Yeah, It helps a lot.
0: Well, who are you? Beneath the volleyball player.
1: Oh, is that a question? Yeah.
0: Oh, it's an existential one, but yeah,
1: I, I, I let's like, go oh, deep right away. <laughs> away. You know, I think uh, I I probably have asked myself that question a lot. That I think I'm a person who's actually searching to survive, hmm. and I use all the platforms probably to do that. And I think ultimately, I told one of my daughters this. Um, one of my daughters and I are. This is like the first time I've had like, well, not the first time. Uh, it's the most recent time I'm having sort of conflict with one of my children uh, where they're calling me out on my stuff, okay? Because they do that when they hit puberty. And um, I said, you know, I was only guided by two things, which was one, which was to try to do the right thing and not hurt anyone uh, because I didn't grow up in a particularly stable home environment. And so if you ask me who I am, those that has been my North Star. And I don't really know what that means as far as, who that makes me, mm. but I know that that has been something that uh, I've always felt innately. A survivor. Uh, yeah, and just, hey, try to do the right thing and try not to hurt anyone. Yeah. Uh, and, and by nature, I would say I'm a, probably a grinder, and I have been told many times that I am incredibly left-brained, mm. um, and uh, I think also I wasn't afforded a great deal of room for emotion when I was younger there wasn't an extra room for me to have that and so but I think coupled with my nature I went really far into the analytical mm. um, part of myself which has been really helpful and which also I've had to learn to learn other languages being married and being a parent
0: yeah in relationship that survival aspect I imagine takes on a different tonality yeah. because you're, it's not just you surviving now you're holding space for for others and the mirrors that they present to us
1: those mirrors (laughs) especially daughters to my i have three daughters yeah i don't even have a son who just goes you're so wonderful right can i have dinner yeah you know it's like it's the nuance is pretty intense um but it's great because it's it's kind of those these are the moments right these are the moments where you go, no, but this is how I do it. And they go, well, that's, but I learned that first in marriage, Mm. you know, um, where when someone asks you for something that's pretty reasonable and for the greater good for them, even if it's not natural for you, um, you should try. Mm. And uh, I think I have been very prideful when I was much younger. And I think I have learned probably once I hit my 30s that that didn't serve me so well. Mm. And so I learned a, a bit of balance. And I think that's a, always in a safe environment. I think, you know, I have one daughter in particular, she's very sensitive and I always tell her, it's a beautiful trait. Just make sure you're, do, you're that way in the right environments that mm. it doesn't come back on you. And it's the same with, you know, learning to bend and compromise. I think it's also still being smart enough to navigate that it's also very safe. Yeah. You know.
0: What, how? How has the, the 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 different sort of character traits of your mm-hmm. daughters? How have how have that have those traits
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, affected you in terms of has have you softened as a result? It sounds like you you kind have of
1: have I been broken. You mean
0: a little bit? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have, have you yeah. been yeah Have you been broken? I suppose is a great way to put it.
1: Yeah, you're cracked wide open. Yeah, and uh, you know it's one thing when they're young. It's like you're just tired, mm. and uh, and it's an, it's new. It's also new. And then you move into their f- become deformed humans with opinions and their personalities, and you you hit the mark a lot of the time, and you blow it a lot of the time. So you're contending with all these dynamics that are also ever changing. Yeah, they're changing, you're changing, they're growing at a you know pretty rapid pace. But you know, I kind of take it. I'll I'll take it because yeah. I feel like I don't want to hide, and. Um, I'll, I'll work on it and I'll apologize when I need to but sometimes it's it is where I'm I don't you know you're not sure the move mm-hmm. you know like you're still and you're you're waiting for some greater sign to say no this is the move and sometimes it comes and sometimes it doesn't come um, and that's a lot of times where I'll use Laird as a sounding board mm-hmm. uh, because he's he's pretty sound yeah he's very sound and and uh, he's actually more emotional than I am, and I think I'm I'm intuitive, but he really does everything through his heart. And also he's he has a male brain on top of it, so sometimes he just says it like kind of how it is. And I go, oh, okay. <laughs> um, but it's I think it's been the greatest teacher for me. Certainly, I mean, sports was one incredible teacher. You know, uh, winning and losing, and having a coach and having teammates and and um, that formula and learning that that formula, you mentioned it earlier, it does apply for, to so many things. Um, I, my oldest daughter and I were talking about she's getting ready to graduate college and she was saying how like the unknown and it's uncomfortable and it creates anxiety. And I said, listen, even when you have climbed a hill or a mountain, if you will, you always there's sort of another one. And every time you do it, when you get to the bottom, you have that doubt and that insecurity but if you just kind of trust that you have a formula of sorts, mm. um, it it finds its way. Yeah, and uh, I think sports really was the number one for me on that. And uh, what
0: was the formula that you learned through sports that you apply today?
1: Well, that you're first of all that part of winning is losing, mm. and don't you know unravel because you lose. It happens. Yeah, it happens within the winning, and. Um, learn to take criticism because mm-hmm. it's ultimately to make you better. You know, I always say when you went to practice, you didn't practice like on everything you were good on at. You practiced on everything that what you weren't good at. Right. And so it gets you more comfortable with looking at that. And I think that's really helpful when you move into personal relationships or business. It's like, hey, I'm not good at that in business. So either I'll find a partner who is or I'll work on that or I'll like, just freely admit it, mm. whatever it is, um, and then work. You got to work, yeah. And uh, but how you work—that's the other thing, right? I don't let. I try very hard. I fail some days, but I'm I'm decent at when everything's coming at me. I I learn how to pick off first things first, and not get overwhelmed or eaten up by the list. And uh, I recently learned that only two and a half percent of the population really can multitask. (laughs) Are you one of the two and a half percent? I don't know. I'm not going to assume that I am. So I still try to take things, even though they're all coming at once, Mm. what needs to be dealt with first, be it professional, uh, personal, what is the most urgent situation? And I will focus on that so that I'm not trying to focus on eight things at once. Yeah. And even if it is eight in a day or 15 a day, it's still one at a time. Right. And that is in sport. I mean, you know, in volleyball, for example, you have to pass the ball first before someone can set it and then before someone can hit it. So I think it's just understanding what the objective is and then to go back to, okay, first things first.
0: Yeah, I love that. So ostensibly segmenting in a way uh, there's a, did you ever see the uh, into the void?
1: Yeah, of
2: course. Yeah, yeah, so the end
0: of the void where basically he gets trapped in that in that mm-hmm. crevasse to die, basically left to die. Yeah. And p- just putting the 10 feet in front of you, right? What's the one step? Yeah. And then obviously in sequence, segmented, that leads to your...
1: Yeah, because you know, I think you have to have the the pl- the destination or the yeah. idea, the sense of it. And some of us feel it first before we see it. Yeah. Right, like you know something's there, or you know something's coming, or you you know there's something behind it and then maybe it crystallizes. But I think uh, you need to have that feeling of where you're trying to go or what you're trying to accomplish and then still go back to, okay, but it's still one, I have to go one step in front of the other.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. So as you've, so in sports, Mm -hmm. that that notion of segmenting was, it seems to have played, uh, demonstrated itself as a valuable tool. In the crucible of relationship,
2: mm-hmm.
0: right? I just mm-hmm. did a really powerful um, workshop on masculinity, which I actually spoke to your husband about. Yeah, um, I feel
1: like men need a lot of love right now. Yeah, I they, do. they do. I do. I mean, I know that women things need to be more fair, and I won't get off track. But I always say that there's some natural tendencies that that are considered masculine, mm. whether it's uh, helpfulness, honor, protectiveness, things like mm-hmm. that, that we don't covet or teach young men that it's quite nice yeah. and important, and also maybe inherently easier for them. Mm. Like, yes, I think I'm a masculine woman, but compared to Laird, in those situations, he, it's just easier for him, mm. and, uh, and he says it's because he's expendable, but um, I think there's something to be said for coveting or cherishing traits that are good for mankind, yeah. and certainly some of those are masculine.
0: Yeah, it's fascinating to think about, right? Because we almost tiptoe around this notion of masculine and feminine. Oh, Yet, it's heavy, right? now. It's heavy. It's heavy, and you got you caught a little flack for it from that last book on oh, yes. the uh, oh, yes. on the okay uh, submissive mm-hmm. comment. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I actually think it's really powerful because I think it's such an important topic, and I think it's a top. It's it's leading to so much suffering right now. I mean, the, the number of, of girlfriends who I have who are. Um, who are suffering? Frankly, I mean, not just not just women, men as well, yeah, but like course. because of the ambiguity of these gender dynamics and the fact that they're shifting so rapidly. Yeah. And yes, I'm all for I'm all for equality and all for empowerment, but that doesn't necessarily mean you can't have an inherently masculine paradigm or an inherently feminine paradigm. Even yeah. if you're talking about homosexual, like well, it's yeah.
1: I said that when I did the interviews. Yeah. Like when I got my flack. Yeah. Uh, was. Uh, and to clarify what that was, I, when I, I did a book, and in the book I was discussing that I, I didn't understand about certain nuance and that within my relationship, I realized what I was looking for was a masculine partner. Because in the world I was so masculine, I was in professional sports, already the way I operate and think, that there was something that I really got out of being with someone where then I slipped into a feminine role or, you know, what's perceived as a feminine role, which ultimately for me is still the ultimate power. Yes. Uh, And I say that without anything attacked to it. Like, you know, I just say, like, I really believe that. Yeah. Um,
0: It's the source of life.
1: I I believe that, you know. And and so I was just talking about a very weird, nuanced dynamic and that also submissiveness, wrong word in the sense that if the generation right before me had to fight for certain equality that I didn't because I was born in 1970... I learned a sensitivity to that, mm. but that ultimately it meant service. Mm. Submissive in its real form is service. And when you have a family and you choose to take on a certain role, there's a lot of service involved. Yeah. And let's not kid ourselves. And by the way, when I first met Laird, I probably made 20 times the money he did. But when you get into the house and you say, hey, I'm going to take on that role, is it not only is it unfair, cause it is like, it, like you have a baby. Well, guess what? Laird's not nursing the baby. Guess mm. who is. So right there is a sh like the shift. Yeah. So you can go, what's well, not fair? Well, yeah, no. it's kind of like nature, like it's just sort of how it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, because I can think, you know, well, Oh, little Brody's going to need a clean pair of socks and they're just like, ready? You know, it's like, we're just thinking differently. So within that there was more service put on my plate that I chose. Um, but I wanted to talk about it and then people got really upset and it was okay because I learned some things and, um, I think I'm not certainly not the only female that feels that way because you, I thought my message was about self-empowerment and being a strong woman and that our responsibility to be happy, it falls on us. Mm -hmm. No one's, you know, riding up on the horse being like, let's go. Yeah. But then that other tricky thing that happens, even in same-sex relationships, somebody takes on the feminine energy, somebody takes on the male. And wow. people were tweaking at me. People. It was fun.
0: Well, at the risk of uh, flaming the tweak, That's I'd love point. to. I'd love to dive into it because I actually think this is a hugely important topic, and it's one I've been thinking about quite a bit because, you know, there. I agree. I think, in my okay, my view. This I'll yeah. just to claim my my view. Sure. So my view is yes, the feminine is to me embodied by uh, nature and. Well, by the way, why
1: are men not complaining that we call Mother Nature Father Nature?
0: Well, I have no I have no well, issue with I mean, it personally. mean, is that a
1: sexist comment that Mother Nature is feminine?
0: Yeah, I mean I don't think it's sexist at all.
1: But this is what I'm saying. Like it's a very interesting thing where certain things are all okay and certain things are not okay. Are we equal but different uh, 100%? Is every person that's living a value to equal, no greater than or less than another? Of course, but when we're all navigating life and making choices, why is there not an open forum to discuss multiple ways that it's happening?
0: Totally, you Well, and, and, and also I think, to keep it very kind of uh, tangible,
1: yes. you
0: are unequivocally, in my experience, and I think based on demonstrated reality, a very powerful woman.
1: That's, that's what I thought.
0: I mean, that's I d- that I joke, that the, the mes- Case in point. The
1: messenger of submissiveness is 63175. Yeah.
0: 63175. I love that's it. That's
1: what I told her. I go, well, I guess it's, you know, I wasn't wearing a polka dot dress and having like cookies on a baking sheet. Yeah. Uh, but.
0: But that, but so the, I mean, there are schools of thought mm-hmm. that say for, and I think, because this is important, I think cr- the relationship is, I think, the crucible for our ultimate evolution, whether that be relationship with your partner, relationship with your kids, relationship with your community, yes. and, That's right. and I think there are inherent polarities that are necessary for balance. Right, and so the challenge is, I think we get all in a huff on the notion of like, oh, this is hierarchical, better than, less yes. than, yeah. and it, I don't think it's a dance. It's not like so. It's not. It's not that, in my view, you're you're insinuating that you're saying inferiority if you say at times you. If, matter of fact. There is a school of thought that says for there to be attraction, there has to be polarity, right? There, and I'm not saying it has to be man and woman, but like yeah, generally yeah. there's a masculine essence and there's a feminine essence. That's right. And you can be a boss in the boardroom, yeah. you know, you can be like, you can, um, you know. But then if you ultimately have an inherently female heterosexual essence, yes, you, as I understand, not going to claim I know, sure. but as I, un- as I understand in the school of thinking... You wanna be able to come home and be held and be able to surrender into the deeper aspect of, of the feminine part of yourself yeah. in a place where that's safe and held in a, in a strong masculine. Yes. So you don't necessarily wanna be out in the world with that you know with that strong energy all mm-hmm. the time. You need to, all of us, men and women, need to be able to surrender into our rested aspects, right?
1: Well, and I'll take it even a step Please, further. Please, let's go. Is, let's say it's actually easier for me in certain ways to be in my masculine Mm -hmm. that for me, I thought I was actually having an opportunity to more fully express myself in areas that actually were uncomfortable for me, Mm. which was, um, naturally I'm a caregiver, but it's sort of in a matter of fact way. Mm. But when I could move into this part of myself, I actually liked things about myself more because, learning to do something for other people and learning to take care um, made me feel good about myself and was like, butt tired at the end of the day. And like, you know, the joke is always like what's for dinner. And I'm like, you know, so I'm not saying like, I don't want to put flowers on it, but I just am being forthcoming about the whole experience. And I think, you know, it was also, I was a better person. Being with Laird, Laird's standard is very high, mm. how he'll treat me. He's very loving and kind. And of course, otherwise I'm an idiot for picking a partner that would be otherwise. Mm. But the expectation is that you will be respectful and kind to me. Yeah. So what that did is it, it kind of pushed me into my female. Because I even the way I speak to Laird, I don't talk to anyone like that. Mm. It's, uh, it's actually a language probably only for him that um, I'm, I'm a lot nicer quite frankly if I had someone that just let me roll over them I wasn't really operating my best self and I didn't have to stretch myself it was actually easier mm. and so there was a f- even other dynamics to it that once I started to explore it and look at what that felt like um, I was like oh yeah I, I this feels good mm. you know and it is it's harder yeah. it's more work um, and there are times where I put my foot down, certainly, mm-hmm. and that is not a problem. It um,
0: doesn't occur to me that that would be a problem for e- you.
1: Yeah, but I also, you know, whenever everyone goes, choose your battles with your children, mm-hmm. it's just choose your battles in life. Mm-hmm. How many times you go through life and you think, at this moment, I could say something to somebody, and you just go... You know, what is the that quote? Is it is it true? Is it kind? Is it necessary? It's like half the time it's not really even necessary. Mm. And most of the stuff I really want to say, it's usually not true. Or it's usually true, but it's never kind. So, you know <laughs> what I mean? I'm like, no, but you know what I mean? Like when you get pro- prompted to say something. Yeah. Um, so I try to flip it. Like if somebody does a good job at something, let's say, I might go to their boss and say, I just want you to know that this person who works for you does an incredible job. So I've tried to learn to say when I... Re- to really want to say something is it enhancing Mm. things, unless it's got to be something that's got to be dealt with, but you can still do it in a non-combative but very direct way. So, you know, and again, this is navigating through time and age and things like that. Um, But I I think I wanted to just talk about that nuance because nobody talked to me about it in my 20s. Right. And so when I met Laird, I was in my 20s, now I'm in my late 40s and I'm like, I, I wish someone would have just talked to me about some of these things and save me maybe some time.
0: Yes. Yeah, so now being where you are now, what would you have said to your 20-year-old self, knowing what you know now?
1: Well, first of all, never take anything personal, mm. uh, number one. And number two, uh, don't try to please everybody. Mm. As a female, I found myself, and when if I got attention and then I'm on a team sport, that was really uncomfortable. And I think, um, you know, do the best you can. And then after that, uh, you know, what's that, what is it? What your, your opinion of me has is none of my business, business, right? So there's a part of me that that took me a minute to deal with, but also really just let it go, man. Like -hmm. you start seeing stuff going on and you start thinking granular granularly. And then like, Oh, I'm going to go down that rabbit hole. And it's like, really, Mm -hmm. am I going to spend time down there? So I think, uh, children certainly help you with this, but, uh, like, what do you want to do with your time? And your energy, and I was joking with Laird. We have someone that it's a neighbor, and he—he's—I think he's bored in another place, and he's always hooking me with these texts, you know. And it's just—it can be a little annoying. And I would write out the response, and I was like, oh, and I just delete it. And he's like, oh, he almost got you. You know? And I was like, you know. So it's just going like, I'm not gonna—I don't need to be right. Mm -hmm. I'm not gonna go down this path with you. It's gonna take too much energy. So I just would have told myself that, and. And maybe I would have tried to soften up earlier. Mm. It took me a, a while, and it's actually still, you know, something I work on.
0: Yeah. It's what, in listening to what you, in, in my listening, it occurs to me that the relationship you, what you have with Laird allows you to be in the softer place mm. where you have a nature that's analytical, mm-hmm. uh, which, by the way, I, I resonate with that because my mother is very much the same. My, my mother is actually much more the
1: like. Do you like your mother? Yeah, I do. You do? I love my mother. Absolutely. But did it annoy you? Did you feel as a child? Because you've seemed more sensitive. Like, yeah. God, my mom's kind of harsh. Well,
0: I mean, so that's a that's a nuanced question. I would say the beauty of it was I knew I was safe, right? So she held a space for yeah. that safety. Now, yeah. she's like a, she has a, she's a Scorpio. So she's got a scorpion's oh, okay. tail. So, so that I'm means. A Capricorn. Yeah. So if you're not, <laughs> if you're not in hurt. Tribe, yes. like she'll. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I should say this I have on a camera. very dear friend who's a scorpion. Yeah, she, she will literally. She my, she said to my uh, mother, forgive me, but yeah. she said to my sister's boyfriend. I'm not the boyfriend, boy
2: on trial here, buddy. <laughs> yeah,
0: she said. Uh, she said, you know, if anyone ever hurt my children, I would kill, kill them. them.
1: Of
2: course. Yeah,
0: and and she meant she means that. What 100%. parent
2: doesn't feel that? Way? Exactly.
0: But, but she, so she was very, so she was fierce in her protection,
2: yes.
0: fierce in her, and, and I think that's an authentic expression, and mm-hmm. she was strong. And she, I don't know enough about your childhood to say, but yeah. she had a, let's call it a challenging childhood, sure. and had to stand for herself. Yeah. So those, those, those traits were, were built up. So in some ways, the crucible likely of our, of our relationship mm-hmm. was in some ways a softening, right? Yeah. That was based on necessity. Do you have a sister? I do.
1: Yeah, yeah, there we go. Yeah, there's I where do. some dynamics are. Yeah, it's not with you because you're the boy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: So, 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 it's been fascinating. But my father is, in some ways, um, interesting enough. In some ways, embodies more the feminine because he's very, he's more. Um, well, now he has dementia, so it's inherently like yeah. he's, inherent, he's in a very different space. But, yeah. but, but you know, he was he was very masculine in the traditional sense in that he was a provider, and mm-hmm. he, he that was one of his core values. I mean, I asked him directly, yeah. um, and it's one of my core values. Yeah. And yet, at the same time, he was, you know, I was saying this to Laird earlier. I was like, you know, I'd be like, yeah, my friend Gabby's coming to time. But what time? You know, like yeah. it doesn't matter, 2 in the morning? I don't even have to tell you who you He'll who be there. Anyone, you yeah. know? And he was just, like, always there. He was always loving. Now he's just, like, walks down the street. He'll see a, a, uh, a, a child or a dog. And he's just, like, so, like, like he's always wanting to laugh, always wanting to smile. And he just thanks everyone. He literally yeah. <laughs> walks. But you know what's amazing thing yeah. about
1: this? Like, I mean, you guys are suffering around him. Yeah. But he's not suffering so much.
0: No. he's He's in a place... I mean, He's suffering in, he's suffering in the context of acute levels of confusion. Yes. But his, but his overall, I mean, that's the gift, right? So the gift is he has found, from my witnessing point yeah. of view, he's found a level of peace within himself yeah. that's exemplified in just like his way of being, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's just like pure loving. Yeah. like like pure anyone he encounters like there's no there's no and that that's the hard part right like there's the lack there's a lack of like identity and separation right like he won't always know who I am but yeah. yet he knows who I am yeah. and the degree of excitement even if he doesn't have the words to express it you know yeah. the the sentiment is so excited yeah it's just like it's um so it's been, yeah, it's been a profoundly challenging and awakening journey yeah. for me.
1: Well, you know, um, I, I uh, read kind of recently where they talked about they think women are the emotional beings because to your point, like your dad's the more emotional one. Well, Certainly Laird in my relationship, he is more sensitive, more emotional. Um, but actually women are, are more left-brained. That's mm-hmm. why they nag and talk because they're always looking for safety, right? Mm-hmm. What are we all looking for, safety, mm-hmm. right? And uh, men are, are right brain because they are emotional and it's kinetic. It's mm-hmm. like, hey, stop that. Mm-hmm. Where women are like, why are you doing that? Right, so so I think sometimes we, we confuse the idea of what tr- real masculinity is, which I think in a way, from what I've seen, we are quicker maybe to be like, oh, I feel sad and I show my emotion. But I think in certain ways men feel things in a deeper, way that we, it's, I mean, the only reason I can say this is from living with someone like Laird, who is hyper, hyper masculine, that conversely, his capacity to feel very deep, like I feel it, and then I'm like, I got to move on. I got girls, they got stuff, stuff has to get done, food has to get made, like, Mm. we got to keep going, right? And the thing I appreciate about him is that ability and the book, what is it? Uh, Natural born heroes, maybe that talked about to be a true warrior, one must be compassionate. Oh yeah, right. And so I think sometimes it gets confused that masculinity is this sort of, you know, one dimensional sort of hard um, trait that I, I think it actually embodies um, other things that are essential too. Different. When I say that, I think that feminine femininity that we we maybe equate with nurturing mm. love um, maybe there's a, a stillness you know what they say that the, we're like the moon you come in mm. you rest you get recharged and then you go out in the sun the masculine the energy the go 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 you can do it but, and that's why I think in a way that I when I talk to women in business I go really don't try to be like a man mm. just be a really strong woman Yeah. because what you bring is that you are a woman and the other thing is is if you don't like the way something is, then just do something about it. Don't then become the victim in the situation. Mm. Just go, yeah, it's not working. I'm gonna do something about it. And so I think sometimes in our modern day and with tele- news and social media, it's hard to, to find those types of voices where it's like, hey, this isn't fair. So guess what? We're gonna figure out a way to take care of it but also um, women working also together mm-hmm. and supporting one another, and then, and then bringing that feminine power to ev- everywhere, because we need it. Yeah. Love and, and nurturing, and, um, and let's face it, f- it I think, in a way, women are a little bit better at like task orientation stuff. Where sure. or guys are like, "Here's the idea, get it done," <laughs> and then we're like, "Great idea, you know, whatever." But I I think that all these mechanisms working together. And by the way, it could be a feminine, it could be a woman boss who acts like that, and then drops it off to a male assistant who gets the task sure. done. But the point is, is like, you know, whatever comes the easiest for you, you the unique individual, go with it. Mhm. You know. And so for me I was like, oh, I'm so masculine, but then I thought, oh, well, I'd like to have another dimension in my life that maybe I explore these other traits that I haven't really given myself the opportunity to. And I found the right partner.
0: So in that safe space, which is the the mm-hmm. relationship you have with Laird, mm-hmm. what has opened up for you?
1: Well, oddly, mm-hmm. you would not think this. I am a much stronger person and I'm a much more direct person. Mm-hmm. I used to, like if I needed to confront somebody about something, it would actually be a lot harder for me and it took me longer. But because I have expressed and been more loving and more compassionate and more understanding, I've also been much more direct. Mm. And I also learned that living with Laird. I would watch him handle a conflict and be like, that is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> no emotion, just right to it. Yeah. You know, And that's what I try to tell my girls, I'm like, and they're all different it's hard to but like hey I'm sorry that doesn't work for me Mm. and not like hey it's okay if it's okay you know it's all that like I even stopped I even had to look at how I'd craft an email if it took me too long to get back to somebody it would start off with like hello so-and-so I'm sorry for the delayed response why do I do that Mm. stop doing that and so something I've definitely learned so what came out of that was actually a greater sense of strength and directness and, an un, and sort of an unapologetic, but then a bigger capacity, mm. I think, to love and to be compassionate. But it, it's like the It's a duality of growth on both sides.
0: Uh, wait, you just hit a trigger for me because one of the things I've been working on is not qualifying myself. Yeah. So, I mean, I grew up always, I mean, I'm 6'4", yeah. 205 pounds, but yeah. basically... You know, I was always bigger growing up, sure. so uh, the message I always got was, you gotta yeah. you know know your own size, you know, yeah. basically, like, keep it smaller, right? Mm. And so, and also, as someone who's acutely aware of, like, historical privilege, right? Like, mm-hmm. I'm a tall, white American man. That's right. and But I'm also very empathetic and sympathetic and have worked in lots of different communities and lived in, you know, I lived in Sri Lanka for two years and yeah. different, you know, and East... Uh, anyway, so I'm... Uh, Obviously hypersensitive and try to be very mindful, but what that's often led to is a diminishing of my power Mm -hmm. to make other people feel comfortable. Of course, right to your to your point, like Mm -hmm. to the message you would send yourself in your twenties. And so, what I'm practicing now is actually there's a safety as long as you do it with compassion. Mm -hmm. But there's a there's a there's a there's a beauty in directness and and. And and frankly, only in that directness, on the other side of that, is the full full blossoming that comes from one standing yeah. in their power.
2: That's
1: right, and and I know this from my own experience of being, you know, six feet at twelve and six three at fifteen, and um, not being groomed uh, really for success in any way, and so feeling really awkward and uncomfortable when I got attention. I went and got an assessment. Laird and I both went to a gentleman named Paul Check, He's genius. And it's like a three-day assessment. How far does your, je- you know, your jaw fit, sit forward? And like every dimension and at the end, he my homework was he said, oh, you know, the opening to your throat is very narrow. Hmm. And you should probably take singing lessons, which is ridiculous because, you know, I probably wasn't going to take singing lessons, but I knew what that meant because hmm. I was always trying to stifle my own voice. Yeah, And I think you get to a place where it's not your problem and as long as you're not um, as long as you know and this is the other side of it though it's not you and it's not me any opportunities or things that are coming my way or talents that I temporarily possess it's not me doing it I'm just you know the portal at the moment for this particular thing so I think as long as you can keep it connected with the idea that uh, you're not really accom- You are not really accomplishing anything. You're just really fortunate if you get to be the portal for a while and mm. the caretaker of whatever small you know gift that is. Then, man, do it all the way that you can. Yeah. But the minute you confuse that it's something you've done, I think it's the death of you.
0: So powerful. Uh, have you read Big Magic? No. Oh my God! Okay, so I'm, get, I'm that getting that, that for you. If that's I'll your next I'll get it. Board. I'll get it. But it's it's the it's ostensibly the that very idea, which for me was a hugely liberating, right? Yeah. Because, like you, like we talk about your identity vis-a-vis being an athlete, right. right? When I was being when I was working to build Global Citizen, yeah, that was so much of my identity. Sure. So then, when my dad got diagnosed with dementia, and I did this radical life change, it was like it was it was like giving birth, and then. You know, with a group of people and losing custody, you know, and it was like yeah, super yeah. hard. How do you deal with that? Plus, yeah. and, and what so Elizabeth Gilbert's the author. So, what she talks about is the fact that genius is not us, genius is something that, if we're lucky, graces us. Yeah. And so, and, and so it's our responsibility. It, and it, by the way, it doesn't always have to look like this big, huge thing. It's mm-hmm. like she talks about, like, you know, because she was the author of uh, E Pray Love, which. I think it was on the New York Times bestseller yeah, for sure. forever, How yeah. long time. And she was like, write a children's book. Write a cookbook. Just keep in the process of creativity because yeah. genius comes when you're in action. Yeah. And so one of the things that occurred to me when I was speaking with Laird, again, based on observation, totally not knowing, but it, it occurred to me that, like, that he would be surfing even if no one was watching, probably especially if no one's watching because it's his, it's his act of devotion. It and is. I think the essence of sort of when we talk about this masculine you know we often get caught oh well it's this or the other it's it's almost like when you're in devotion to something outside yourself whether that be your children whether it be your partner Mm -hmm. whether that be your your uh, spiritual or religious belief
2: yeah
0: it actually that's when our then our true genius comes out because it's not us right because that's limiting yeah
1: yeah and my ego's involved and my insecurities and um, you know the list is long. So I, 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 I think I was in touch with that really early mm. but I didn't, I never thought it was me but I didn't understand that it was okay then to just see how big or how great or whatever you could do. It was like I always tried to temper everything mm. um, and even now I always joke that I have, the, the reason I do anything publicly is so that I, it creates energy to do the real things that I want to do mm-hmm. but I would be perfectly content with being like a business person behind. It just happens that the other stuff was kind of, it was there and it was like, you know, I always say it was my high card and so I did it. But knowing myself, it's like when I'm around other people that, you know, get attention or whatever, I'm perfectly fine with um, hanging back. But I think that's also a protection of seeing that you go up, you go down. If you're lucky, maybe you go up again, maybe you go down, maybe you go up higher, who knows? But I was never fooled thinking that once you started getting any attention, you were just going to keep on getting attention. Mm-hmm. So I always tell people, like, when someone says, God, you're great, you go, oh, thank you. And when they go, wow, you suck, you go, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. That you, It has to penetrate almost exactly the same way mm-hmm. because um, the great obviously feels a little better. The suck kind of doesn't feel as good, right. I admit it. But you just learn, like, you can't go, you can't go on that ride it's it's a death so figure out for yourself like how what feels what feels good to you um you know like i said originally was like the real relationships friends that will tell you straight but you know when they look at you they just love you Mm -hmm. and they're not even attached to like whatever definitions that the world gives you or puts on you or whatever so i think it's um i think that if people could accomplish that and uh and not when you're young, like when you, I think you're like a teenager and a young adult, you sort of have to feel like, yeah, I can do this mm. because you got to take it on. But conversely, I sort of feel like, cause I, like I said, I have a, a 22 year old daughter and I feel her angst about what am I going to do with my life? Mm. And I just want to say to her, like, you have a path and you're going to find it and it's going to find you. So those are the moments we almost want to feel like, no, don't take your real feelings so serious mm. and yourself. As you know yourself, and yeah. it's something other than you.
0: And they have, you know, the twenty-two-year-old today has the added
2: inputs
0: of social media yeah. of the world at large, which, which is showing you a perpetual highlight reel of everyone else's constructed reality.
1: Yeah, and and construct and perpetual highlights of all the bad news mm-hmm. and all the violence and all of the terrible things. Like it's like either a perfect world or everything is scary. Right. It's like, yeah, no, not so much. No. I was joking with my middle daughter the other day. I was like, uh, you know, maybe if you're just feeling like so-so with a splash of happiness, that's good. Yeah. You know, like, you know, it doesn't have to be like, How are you feeling good? Or like, oh, you're miserable. It's like, you know. So I think that they are dealing with a world that for for us as fully formed adults, we can go like, wow, that's a lot of white noise. Mm-hmm. And for them, and because they're still really that open. You know, sponge. It's just all penetrating all day long. Yeah. It's a tough gig.
0: So in essence, having been in the, you know, more than most, mm-hmm. been exposed in modeling, in mm-hmm. volleyball, mm-hmm. to that world. I yeah,
1: I would have been, he- I was always joking with my kids, I'm like, if we had Instagram when I was in my 20s, I would have been huge. <laughs> 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 so, you
0: would, well, you, you, to be fair, you would have been huge on Instagram. I mean, well, yeah, there's
1: like four female jocks man, yeah, at the time. You could exactly. have just cornered the market. Yeah, I'm
0: exactly. Yeah. Although that, I mean, it's interesting because I have a friend who is huge on Instagram yeah. and she, she just gave a talk last night about authenticity, right? Mm-hmm. And how she's been basically, because you, you construct the reality, which then you live into, which mm-hmm. then, and this goes to what uh, Laird and I were talking about, about honesty, right? And mm-hmm. deep honesty and integrity. And to the point, which I think is sort of one of the overarching points, right? We talk about masculinity, we talk about femininity, we talk about sort of the, 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 the challenges of the modern era, especially mm-hmm. for youth. You know, there aren't the traditional ways that we were indoctrinated into ourselves, right? Yeah, there right. weren't the, you know, I studied the processes of individuation in Sri Lanka, you know? Yeah. there were traditionally for many thousands of years, in many cultures around the world, um, young people were Brought into their adulthood, yeah. they were women were girls were brought into womanhood, boys were brought into yeah. manhood, yeah. in the in a way that was congruent with the values of their yeah. of their culture, yeah. right? And unfortunately, we're in a, or fortunately, fortunately and unfortunately, we're in a brave new world. So how do yeah. we navigate that? And it's a challenge.
1: Well, and the other thing is, I love is like you'll have influencers, you know, yeah. influencers and they have huge numbers, but they actually can't communicate beyond that template, right? So you take them into public speaking, or you have, like, you have to develop a full skill set. Mm-hmm. So that is the other interesting side. So it'll be interesting to see people coming out going, oh wait, I, can, I need to be able to do this very well, but then also I need to go beyond that. Because uh, just amassing numbers at a certain point, uh, that's not going to be the only thing, I don't think. Because at the end of the day, now you have a group, um, you know, Tim Ferriss is probably a great example, I'll just mm-hmm. use him as an example. If people love him, I think because there's actually something behind mm-hmm. and then something behind that and then information that just backed up versus like a lot of, you know, all sizzle, no steak. So I think there's also our group actually wasn't as critical mm. as this group now, like, oh, that's a bunch of fluff. So it's going to be, it's just an interesting thing where they're actually they, they sort of easier mm-hmm. to, to follow stuff and think, oh, that's cool, but then also harder because they don't really want to like anything, and they've seen everything, kind of. Sure. So it's like, well, what do you really got? Right. So it'll be interesting to see because at the end of the day, you still have to do the work yeah and do the skill set if you're ever going to jump out of that dimension. Yeah. And as great as that dimension is, do you just want to live there?
2: Sure.
1: I, I don't want to live there. No. And, I, and, I, and maybe 20-year-olds go, well, that's pretty cool, but there's like the real world yeah. out here. And it's, it is still about connecting with people. And, and um, I, th- I still think that's always going to be hopefully important.
0: Well, it's the most foundational to, I think, our fulfillment, right? So it's like yeah. this yeah. ultimately, you know, and that's the paradox, right? So we're more connected theoretically, yeah. but yet more disconnected, in an, in, from the authentic forms of connection that yeah. have held us together since I'm a Yeah. Uh So question I have for you is, as a powerful woman, a mother,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and someone who's held a relationship
2: mm-hmm. as
0: a strong woman with a strong man mm-hmm. for now 22 years, mm-hmm. what are some of the key ways of being that you feel one needs to... I'll say practice because I sure. don't know if we always I don't sure. know if we're always like, oh I'm the personification of.
2: Yeah.
0: But that have in the crucible of those relationships you've sure. come into yourself and realized yeah. this is this is core. This is my core value or this is my mm-hmm. core character trait that, that, that is Gabby Reese.
1: Well I think there's a there's there's ones that we exercise individually mm-hmm. and then there's ones that we exercise within that group, right? Mm-hmm. And so individually it's I make myself accountable. For my reactions and for my sense of well-being. I don't rely upon my children to make me happy or my husband. That's for starters. And then within the group, with the kids, I always, you know, number one is actually humility. And, um, and when I say that, it's understanding that my role in this dynamic, let's say with the girls, is to be their mother. But all I really want to do is I, I say that I kind of want to be like the boat captain where I'm in charge but I'm not in control. Mm. So when like, the seas get rough and they look at me and they're like, oh no, she's okay, she's in charge. But that there's still room for them mm. to be who they are, need to be yes. and their voice. And sometimes I do well at that and sometimes I don't. Um, but it's really ultimately trying to get them into a space where they go, who am I? What makes me feel good? What's my voice? What's my passion? Not, oh, I have to live up to an expectation put by my parents. Mm. Um, and then with my husband, I think it's, it's for him to feel appreciated mm. and desired. Mm. And I think that's a good starting place. I wouldn't make it more complicated than that. Yeah. Um, and, and that your life, it isn't like this, right? It's you're sort of these two circles that then in this slice in here, you sort of really intersect. And, and you're, you can be very different, but maybe some really important values. Um, Shared values. It's essential. But how you get there and how you do it, I mean, we couldn't be in certain ways more different. People think, oh, you're both tall and blonde and athletic. Perfect. I'm like, well, actually, the thing that connects us is that we both grew up on islands Mm -hmm. and had wonky upbringings. That is actually, we're huge, giant white people that grew up in indigenous cultures. Mm -hmm. So actually the way we see the world is different, but then we experience it here as giant white people. So bizarre, you know what I mean? I I do
0: actually living in Sri Lanka for two years, where I stood out like a sore thumb. And you see
1: stuff, and you and you go, well, that doesn't feel right. Mm. But yet, you in some ways look embody like the thing that's you get away with everything. You know what I mean? It's like this Mm. weird flip. So, so with my so for myself, it's I make myself happy. What are my needs that I can so I can be strong and be loving for everybody and not blame anybody or feel left behind. By the way because nobody wants to feel left behind. Mm. And sometimes when you're the mom and the wife, you feel left behind. Yeah. And it's very natural. And then uh, to create that space for my children where they feel uh, accepted and loved and nurtured and disciplined. Mm. There needs to be boundaries. And to learn to apologize even to your children when you blow it. Mm. It's important. And uh, with your partner, just to go like... I, I say look at them sometimes like how other people look at them. Mm because they got a lot going on. And just because you see all, the, you know all the cracks, if you just back up sometimes and you look at them, you go, I gotta, I have a, I'm got i living with somebody really special, wow. and I'm gonna appreciate that. And then they see that, and then they feel that, and then they are more that, mm. you know? And it's that, you know, we call it the up cycle. And um, I didn't know that coming out of the gates, by the way. Yeah. So that was something after I hit a couple walls that I went, oh, let me try something new. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: That's beautiful. Final few questions. Okay. When people look back Mm -hmm. on Gabby Reese, Mm -hmm. how would you like them to think about the person you were in their life? Uh,
1: I think I can use it with my friendships. I want them to feel like they always have the room just to be themselves. Mm. And... When, it, when they needed to talk about something, I was a, I created a space that was neutral enough for them to be able to kind of hear their own thoughts and arrive at answers for themselves, that I wasn't a person who told them what to do, um, and that maybe somebody that they, I also hope that I inspire my friends. Because what I sometimes really think I'm looking for in my relationships is not something, but it's, hey, the way you're living inspires me and inspires me to be better. Mm. And so I hope that uh, I do that for my friends and and hopefully, you know, that you still have a like a little naughty fun, you know, like <laughs> just like a little inappropriate laughter. You a- know? Absolutely. Like, I hope I'm one of those older ladies that you just go, oh my God, she's uh, like almost inappropriate sometimes. <laughs> Because I feel like then you still hold who you are yeah, and uh, you don't go, well, I'm supposed to act like this. So I think it's, it's that, but I, not, you know, nothing, I don't want to say so important, but that I always try to treat people with respect and, and, um, and be there Mm. when it really matters. That's the other thing.
2: Mm.
1: I'm not, I'm not good with the like, Oh, let's have tea and all that. But when it really matters, I want to be someone that you can count on. You show up. Yeah.
0: I see that. Um, I want to honor you for a moment.
2: Oh, goodness.
0: (laughs) Uh, I haven't known you that long. But I would say in my experience of you, your fierceness in terms of the directness of who you are um, is a gift in that you hold space for someone to really be fully themselves. And... It's uh, it's 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 a strength. It's it's an it's a it's it's a strength that uh, it's a strength without judgment, discernment, but not judgment, and it's something that uh, really inspires me. I think that your the strength, the way you show up as a strong woman is truly a model for many of. Young girls, I believe, out there today. I think it's not a mistake. Probably has its own challenges that you have three daughters, but um, I think it's incredibly powerful to see a woman lead so authentically. And so I honor you for that.
2: Well,
1: thank you. I'm glad you said it wasn't scary because sometimes I, you know, people go, it's scary. And I go, is it?
0: Yeah. It's only scary if we make it scary.
1: Yeah, because I don't think it is.
0: No. Yeah. But I do think, at least I get scared. At times, but at the same time, you realize once you confront it, it's not—it's not really that scary. No. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <sighs> if you were to speak to the 22-year-olds out there today, mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm.
0: what would be the, especially if, let's say 22-year-old, uh, or you can make it men or women. Sure. What, what would be the, the three character traits, or the three tools, or the three things you sure. you'd have them put in their toolbox?
1: Just your for starters, especially because they're starting off on the next chapter, most of them, Mm. is if you have that feeling in your gut, you know, when, you know, it's like I always say to my friends, like, they're showing you they're a fish, why do you keep trying to make them a dog, like, Mm. they are a fish, you know, that expression, if someone shows you who they are, believe them, trust that, Mm -hmm. and cultivate that, um, because it's there for a reason, it's there, it's a gift for each of us, uh, male or female, and, um, and don't be afraid to listen to that. And, um, and also, you know, having dreaming and wanting to go for things and being excited about things, um, even when they're scary, I think it's a really essential part of life. Mm. And it doesn't mean grandeur. I'm not talking about that, because just something that you go, God, that looks, that feels like that could be me. Um, you know, you, gotta go, you have to go for it. Laird always talks about, you know, um, you definitely won't catch the wave if you don't take off. Mm-hmm. Sometimes uh, you have to take off. And, and it, the, unfortunately for that generation, they were given trophies just for showing up.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It's, it's going to suck sometimes and you're going to fail. But just know that, that it's like hardship in life. That is a part of life. Mm-hmm. That is a part of the winning. That is a part of the making it. And and what I would say, because we don't have a lot of it, you know, when people grew up in the 50s or whatever, even if it was fake, it was like, say please and thank you, you know, all the manners.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It's really important
2: yeah.
1: to be kind and to be polite and as silly as it sounds, because it, it'll it make a difference. It's like my, my middle daughter, I can say, that'll make them feel good. My younger daughter, I have to say, it'll be good for you. Because yeah. she's triggered by something else. Your life will be better if you treat people kindly and with respect. doesn't mean you can't stand up for yourself. It doesn't mean if someone really gets on you that you can't be strong. Mm. But don't make that your first card. Mm-hmm. Make kindness. And, and, um, the, and the other thing I always tell my kids is, like the working man, mm. don't mess with the working man. <laughs> <laughs> like be extra nice to the working man. Yeah. Because... You know, they're working hard mm-hmm. and they deserve your respect for, sure. for that reason only yeah. in that moment. So I would say definitely to follow your dreams and even when it's scary, always listen to your gut.
2: Mm.
1: And the last thing I would say, and it's the most obvious, love yourself and take care of yourself. Mm. Not like, love, I'm so great. Love yourself mm. and, and take care of that vessel. So that means go to sleep, eat some food try not to drink too much, because that is a part of loving yourself mm. and um, and honoring yourself. Mm.
0: Thank you, Gabby Reese. Thank you. I appreciate your time. Thank you. And there you have it. absolutely loved my conversation with Gabby Reese. Such a gracious, uh, open, thoughtful, um, profoundly powerful woman. And uh, it was really an honor to sit with her. I had an extraordinary time um, conversing with her and learning about her approach to life and really was just inspiring to see um, her relationship as as it relates to her children and to her husband and was really inspiring for me personally. So go ahead and uh, tag at Gabby Reese and at Michael Trainer. Let us know what you thought of the episode, what you took from it. Um, Go ahead and post on social. And uh share where you're listening uh, if it was valuable for you, please go ahead and leave a rating and review It means the world to me and uh and share it with someone you think would would get value from from the episode. The whole intent behind making these pieces is really to add as most add as much value to the the greatest amount of people as possible. so so grateful for you listening. so grateful for your time and attention. I don't take it for granted um, please go out there and live your inspired life.